And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> I don't know. Yours is very radio. <laughs> and we're back. That's a bit better. A little better. Yes, we are. All the way back from California. Oh my gosh. It feels so good to be back with the microphone in hand, recording this podcast. It feels like it's been an eternity since we've done one of these. I know. And it's only been two weeks. Where have we been, Liz? What have we been up to? We've been in California. We've been in LA for a little bit and in Santa Clarita. Yeah. So what we wanted to do today was kind of an LA trip debrief and talk about what you've been up to and let everybody in a little bit on the world of training Caesar's way and some of your experiences with that. So maybe, you know, the first order of business, what is training Caesar's way? Training Caesar's Way has two courses and there's Fundamentals 1 and then there's Fundamentals 2. And in each course, you're focused on learning about dogs and dog psychology and their behavior and understanding them better. And so Fundamentals 1 is kind of the introductory level and it's still a lot of material. It's a full five-day workshop. Yeah. It's very intensive. And they're long days too. Um, I think, yeah, the students started at 7.30 every morning and we went about until five, um, some days longer than that. And it's transformative. Like the information that they learn, like it doesn't just pertain to dogs is what you kind of understand by the end of the entire course. I hope that's not a spoiler alert. <laughs> but, it's understanding dogs by understanding yourself kind yeah, of thing, right? Yeah, so... It's, it's deep and the students go through a lot in that time and you work with different dogs and you're all talking and sharing your experiences as you go. Um, and so what, what makes it so powerful is you're not just working with Caesar, you're also working with these phenomenal trainers from around the world. As a group of students, we had 35 students take this last workshop and each each student is put in a subgroup, right? And that subgroup is with your trainer. And they kind of are your spiritual guide almost through the course. Um, and your kind of go-to mentor to have your questions answered and to share your experience. And these are all people who've gone through this process themselves as a trainer or many times even as a student. And can put their, themselves in your shoes and understand and really light the way of how you can better yourself and better your dog. So if I understand it correctly, Caesar is teaching a lot of the theory and the material and doing a lot of the demonstrations. And then you go into your subgroup to kind of put them into practice yourself. Yeah, a little bit. But you have a lot of time with Caesar. Oh, yeah. I wasn't suggesting okay. you don't. like. It's not just like the classroom setting and like learning the theory. You get to work one-on-one -on -one with him um, in some situations. Like so every day, at the start of every day, you do a pack walk and each group gets a chance to do it with Caesar. So every single person gets to walk beside the dog whisperer and have him coach you on that entire experience and answer any questions you have. Every day you get a Q&A with him. And then there are other 
um, activities that you do, like the dog park scene, which was my absolute favorite when I took it as a student because I own a dog daycare, right? And I wanted to see, oh my gosh, okay, how does Caesar set up a pack? And that changed so fundamentally what I now do at the dog house. And it's, it was the start of the evolution of morphing from a play care to a structured training school for dogs, a social club for dogs. Um, so there is so much to take away from this course, even if like, I don't want to say you're just taking fundamentals one, but fundamentals one changed my life, not just my job. Like it's an amazing educational experience. So that's fundamentals one, learning a lot of the basics. And then fundamentals two is applying a lot of those yes. concepts kind of in the real world, so to speak. So yes. just what's sort of the high high level rundown on two versus one? In fundamentals two, you don't work with your own pets. You're working with all rescue dogs. So everybody has to learn this new dog sitting in front of them that's totally green, right? So we don't know its history necessarily or its age or its breed. We just are going to go by energy alone and we're going to experience um, real world situations like taking the dog to the vet, introducing a rescue dog to your home or to your friends or going on a pack walk, biking, all sorts of dis different scenarios that are simulated at the DPC. So that's very cool. Now, you took Fundamentals 1 for the first time as a student seven years ago. I think 2014 it was. You took Carmen. I came with you. It brought you and Carmen closer together. You got to do the pack walk with Caesar and Carmen. That was so cool because right away he said, she's good off leash, right? She'll just follow off leash. Let her go. Let her go. And he let me take her off leash. And I feel like I was the only student that got to do that. And then I also dropped the leashes with the pack like intentionally because I was like, I feel like they're going to follow me. He's like, do it, do it. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I don't know. I was so cocky. <laughs> so so you, you took it, you, you already owned Doghouse. Doghouse had already been around for, I guess, three years at that point. Who are the, who are the types of folks that attend fundamentals? Is it, is it all dog professionals or what, what is no. the makeup? Who goes? I think that's what makes it really unique is that it's open to anyone. I've been there and there, there are people who've just graduated and it's like their graduation gift, right? And then there are people who are super seasoned professionals. There are people who own dogs. There are people who don't have a dog at all. So many different walks of life come old, young, women, men. It's really a very inviting environment and somewhere where we all learn from each other. If we'd put all trainers just in a room together, we'll nerd out on dogs. Absolutely. We will learn from each other for sure. But what we're missing is the dog owner perspective. And so there are things that I learn from seeing these dog owners go through this fundamentals course with Caesar. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes total sense. If, if it's only dog professionals, you're going to get value, but it becomes a little bit of an echo chamber. And, yes. and you, you do see different perspectives on how things are done. But I think you're right. Like it's, it's interesting hearing from people with different levels of experience. Some might be first time dog owners, seasoned dog owners, not dog owners. Mm -hmm. 
people who own daycares, vet techs, like it's, it's a very eclectic mix of folks. And I think that's what makes it so interesting. Mm-hmm. So how has your role with TCW changed over the last seven years? So we talked about you taking it as a student and then what happened? And then I waited patiently for, I think it was a year. I kept um, offering to come back to volunteer and help and it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. And I think it was kind of like, well, it'll happen when it's meant to be and kind of not gave up, but just like let it go. And that's when it was like, bring, bring, hey, do you want to come back and volunteer for Fundamentals 1? And I was absolutely all for it. And so I was lucky enough to go back several times. The first time I went back, it was the Dog Psychology Center in Florida. So that was a really unique experience. Um, And every time since it's been back at the OG DPC in Santa Clarita, California. So since you mentioned the DPC, tell us a little bit about what the Dog Psychology Center is all about. I think it is more than just a location for the workshop. It has a spiritual quality to it, I, I believe. But just paint a picture for listeners about what the DPC is all about. Okay, I will try to do it justice. Because you're right, it is, it's a magical place. And anyone who's been there will say the exact same thing. So It's a vibe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so you drive up this really long, bumpy road. And at the end of it, <clears throat> actually, before you even get to the end of it, um, on your left, you see the words, before anything else, you see the words, trust, love, respect. And it's just in, like in the, in the, in the grass, grass, in the hills, yeah. in these big mountains. Cause it's all brown, like the mountains and the hills there. It's just, it's desert. Right. And so to see this bright green, it's just artificial turf. There's lots of that up there for the dogs. And in it is painted in white, trust, love, respect. And then it says, welcome to the dog psychology yeah, center. Welcome I to think. the dog psychology center. And he's got, these statues you can see um, all over, scattered in the hills, um, and they're animals and of all sorts. It's a big horse. Yeah, that's the one I was envisioning at yeah. right at the top of the hill. And you go through the gates, and it's this windy kind of driveway up, and you have to go really slow um, because there are animals all around. And as you're driving up on the left, there's first the sheep herding ring and then there's kind of like the barn area where marty the donkey's there and his horses are in there and lorenzo the llama and the emus and all these animals and on the right side are more of these statues as you arrive bird houses and just everything is very intentional up there and so as you continue further up there's the beautiful dog park area and he calls it the Serengeti dog park. And it's because when animals in the wild in the Serengeti all gather for water intake, there's like this unwritten rule, right? This just understanding of when we're at the water pool, we all just drink. No, there's no fighting. There's none of that. It's peace. It's harmony. And so that's what he wants for the dogs in the dog park. So there's a small dog park and then it opens up to a bigger, like goes up into the hills and it's 
just dirt and it's covered or sorry, it's fully fenced. That's just like for the dogs to like run and just go, go, go. You continue up further and then there's a turn where you can head in on the left-hand side. And that's where, like you see that a lot in his um, newer shows. That's where people go and they meet for consults or he's taking dogs there to have their off-leash social. And so there's kennels up there and the main office. And swimming pool. Oh, yeah, the swimming pool. I love the swimming pool. I really want a swimming pool at the doghouse now because we did a lot of lessons for dogs, and it's it just does wonders for them with their confidence and building trust. So there, there's lots more to the Dog Psychology Center. There's an area where there's a tent for the students to to participate in the workshop, and then there's paths and trails and trails, everything yeah. all through the property. So you can easily get lost there and hike for hours. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like you said, a very special place. Even just me coming and dropping you off and picking you up each day, I got the feels. And it's just very, like you say, serene and mm-hmm. and calming. And and I just never want to leave. Yeah. Um, so that that's the facility. And let's just talk briefly about your role and how it's changed over time. You, you said you went as a student. You then started volunteering in 2016 starting at the DPC in Florida and then kind of transitioning to volunteering at the DPC uh, in California. And so how has your role changed in that time and and what were you up to this most recent time uh, over the last couple of weeks? I think every time I went back to volunteer, you build more camaraderie with everybody else who's out there. And if you're doing a really stand-up job, you get noticed and as as it's gone on over the years they've really wanted to tighten that circle and and make to make the dog psychology center and training caesar's way be the best experience it possibly could be they wanted to keep those hard workers and I kind of kept proving myself, even though I would come all the way from Canada. They're like, you want to come all the way here? And I'm like, yes, I will come for any experience I can. It kind of started to pay off where they then gave me this next opportunity, which no longer meant I was a volunteer. It meant I was kind of in charge of those volunteers um, and making sure that they were doing the what the roles entailed. And so it went from being a volunteer experience to a paid staff, which is super cool. Very cool. And I think you're kind of, you're being very humble. You're underselling it a little bit. So I will- That's a habit of mine. <laughs> just just to, to really make clear, it's a very logistically complicated workshop because of all the yeah. dogs, all the scenes, all the scenarios. And so the team that Liz was helping to lead- was really responsible for working behind the scenes to make sure everything went smoothly and that students had a really positive experience and that the trainers who were leading those sub teams and supporting Caesar had exactly what they need when they needed it and that they could just focus on teaching and supporting the students and not worry about anything else. And, and that's kind of what Liz and her team were up to. Yeah, that was very well put and summarized. Well, thank you. I had had several meetings leading up to this experience um, prepping me for this new role. And I was scared, (laughs) if I'm being honest. I was really 
worried. I was like, they want me? Like me? I don't I don't know if I can do this. Like this seems hard and complex. Like I usually go out there and I'm just the worker, not someone who's leading. And I second guessed myself, I second guessed myself. And I was like, you know what? This is a huge opportunity. I'd be just so disappointed in myself if I let it go just out of fear. I'm going to jump on it. I'm going to do it. Um, no matter how scared I am, I'm going to show up. That paid off. And I surprised myself in my ability to perform under that much stress. Truthfully, um, there's a lot of pressure, right? It's Caesar Milan. You know what? It's probably like how the contestants feel when they're on drag race. That's their mama roo. Caesar Milan is kind of my mama roo. So it's like, do not mess it up. This is how Caesar likes it. Do it like this. Put so-and-so in charge of this. It was all of these things to remember. And I got out there and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a lot of work. And then you just fall into the flow of it. And I kind of surrendered. And that's the beautiful thing about the DPC is like, that's, that's what you should do. Be open, be open to the universe, be open to the experience and it'll come naturally. Well, and it's such a parallel. I mean, like you said, the Dog Psychology Center and this experience teaches you just as much about yourself as it does about how to lead dogs from a functional mm-hmm. perspective. And I hope you're okay with me sharing this, but the first day you came home a little bit down, frustrated, and you said, you know what? I'm just going to let go, right? Let go and just kind of do this my way, be my authentic self, and then what happened? And then everybody started telling me what an amazing job I was doing. Like, oh, wow, this is going really smooth. Wow, everybody's so relaxed. Nobody's stressed out. Oh, wow, that was ahead of schedule. We're crushing this. This is like, everything just was working. Everything was easy. Um, And it was, I really feel like it was like little things, like showing up with a positive attitude every morning I'd ask, right? Say aloud, how could today turn out better than I could possibly imagine? I'd pull affirmation cards with my team first thing. So we were starting with with fun, with some lightheartedness, with some happy-go-lucky energy. And then I was like, okay, let's go crush this. You do this, you get on this, I'm gonna do this. And it was really about teamwork. Um, we all worked together, just like a pack should. Speaking of the pack, Mm -hmm. I know one of the things that you really value out of these experiences is the network of other trainers Mm -hmm. that are, that are participating either as staff or as assistant trainers or trainers supporting Caesar. Can you talk a little bit about what you get from that network of people and maybe highlight, I mean, there's too many people to talk about everyone individually and I hate the idea of like leaving anyone out, but maybe if there are a couple people that come to mind that you really took something away from either in this experience or past experiences. Yeah. I have met so many phenomenal humans um, who are incredible dog trainers. And there's something to be said when you gather with 
a group of people who all have kind of the same dream and passion and drive to help dogs. We're all in agreement about so many things, about energy and how impactful that is and that dogs are pack animals and that they need leadership. We all can learn from each other because we'll all see somebody do something different or someone has a, a tool like a thinner slip lead and just we all share and get excited about sharing. So that energy breathes new life into what I do then going forward. And when I come home, I want to make changes. I want to improve things. I want to share what I've learned. Uh, Heather Mickelson, one of my favorite humans in the entire world. If people think I'm really spiritual or hippy-dippy, like you have no idea. Heather Mick is Mother Teresa. Like <laughs> she's amazing. And then there's Jojo who is so carefree, happy-go-lucky, easygoing, who is an incredible trainer and assistant trainer out there at Caesars Way. Then there's Art. Art, I've often referred to as Baby Yoda. <laughs> He's very intellectual. He understands dogs very, very deeply and is a great uh, communicator and explaining things and breaking things down. Melina, love her. She's from the OC. Melina, if anyone wants a dog house like daycare or experience, she is your girl. She has an amazing facility. I cannot wait to go out there and visit. I mean, you know, there, there there's Lisa, there's Yoa, Steve Del Savio. There's so many people that are out there. It's kind of like the Fab Five of dog training. Yeah. Right? Everybody brings a different expertise, yeah. a different personality, a different approach because they're people who, like Liz said, ascribe to the same philosophy and might have a slightly different twist on it or a slightly different take on it or might be doing a little bit of a different thing, mm -hmm. but it's it's part of the family. Mm-hmm. Same bloodline. <laughs> there you go. So that was a big part of what we were doing out there. You were there for Fundamentals 1, Fundamentals 2, but we did have some downtime and we got up to some fun stuff. One of the things that was a big highlight was a listener meetup that we did. I loved that. That was like a high point for me for sure. We had had a great day. We went to Malibu and then we went to Kenneth Hahn uh, Recreational park or something like that, mm -hmm. which was sort of between Santa Monica and and LAX or somewhere in that area. So close to the coast, beautiful state recreation area, nice views, hills, could see the city. And we just opened it up to anyone who was in the area or wanted to come and participate and tell us a little bit about the experience, what we got up to and, and some of the folks who joined. Yeah. So three students from TCW ended up coming, which I thought was so cool. And then uh, just a bunch of listeners. And I don't know, but almost everybody told me who attended had never been to a pack walk before, which freaking blows my mind. One, because what a missed opportunity out there. That's such a great way to socialize dogs. Um, and there's so many beautiful spots to walk in LA. And considering that, those dogs did really, really well. So good. I was so impressed. I was really impressed because all of those humans listened very well and gave so much space to each other initially. Didn't need to even talk about that. I know. We set a meeting space in a parking lot near the visitor's center. Folks showed up. There were people who drove from 
an hour or more away. I don't think I knew that. Thank you so much to those of you who came. I think there were 15 people there in total, which... 15 dogs. 15 dogs. More than that in people. But it blew away my expectations because we don't like know people in LA. Mm -mm. And from the very get-go, we've talked about wanting to be able to travel places and put something out to the Honest to Dog community and have people show up and just come together around our love for dogs and our shared set of principles and philosophies and values around dogs. And so this was like a realization of that. And it was very special to me. And I was so thrilled. And so what Liz did, once everyone gathered, she went around, had everybody pick an affirmation card. Everybody read it aloud. And that was sort of the icebreaker or introduction. And then we set out on this walk and we walked until dusk. It was at probably after dusk. When we got back to the parking lot. Yeah, they were like kicking us out. Yeah, the state the state <laughs> uh, troopers or whatever were coming around with their boop, boop. with their flashlights and their sirens and saying, vacate the park. But we didn't want to leave because everyone was having such a good time. Uh, so that was the listener meetup and it was so cool. We'll have to do it again next time we're, next time we're yeah. in town. I was so living in the moment, which happens often when I've been to the DPC, that I didn't take any video of it. Um, but it'd be really cool if anybody has any to share it with us or I don't know did you I've got a little bit and I reshared a couple of videos that people posted uh, nice. to the honest to dog podcast Instagram mm-hmm. okay yeah, but that, yeah was, that was that was special to me that was very special Mark just the first of many yeah that was sort of the halfway point in our trip you stuck around and well we both stuck around but you you uh, again helped facilitate fundamentals too mm-hmm and then we came home, but it was it was an action-packed couple of weeks. We had really good intentions to record an episode while we were out there, sort yeah. of live from LA, but Liz was working very, very long days, and it was a lot. It was a lot. We took Baker with us, which was awesome. He's such an He's easy traveler. So good. He's so good. We got so many compliments on him. Everybody wanted to steal him. And so he spent a lot of time at the DPC and... You took him swimming. I was so proud of him, actually, because he's a city dog, right? And so for him to go up there and be on a ranch, he he thrived. Like, he surprised me with how comfortable he became. The first day, he was a bit nervous, um, but his confidence came back real quick, and he was just trotting around there like he owned the place. And even other trainers were shocked at how balanced he was and is and that he doesn't have some separation anxiety at all. He doesn't have reactivity. He's not an aggressive dog. Like he's secure in and of himself and knowing the state that we got him in (laughs) when he was just a puppy and super insecure. Like it had been what, three years since three, four years since we had both been there together. That was the last time I was at the DPC was when we adopted him. So like what a cool full circle moment. Totally. And I got a ton of compliments on him for not being a yappy chihuahua and being confident and things like that, which we've really been working on with him. And so it was a really nice payoff. We're really good dog owners. I think so. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Well, and you know, that's, that's something I really realized you took him to the DPC many days, but there were other days where I got some mm-hmm. 
solo baker time. And I felt like I really was able to step up and be a super good leader for him. And it brought me closer together with him. I mean, I took him on some really cool hikes up into some of the canyons, some of the mountains. I took him to Malibu and we walked on the beach, um, worked on his fear of uh, the waves and the ocean. (laughs) Took him bigger than him. Took him to Santa Monica, took him to Marina del Rey, a bunch of different cool areas. He was like my little buddy. And I just, I I felt like it, it brought me closer with him and it helped me to establish myself as more of a trusted, respected leader. Because I think between the two of us, he respects you more and I'm probably, or traditionally I've been a little softer. And so this allowed me to assert myself a little bit more as an, as a leader and build more respect and trust. Yeah. There's something to be said about traveling with your dog. And I mean, I guess it makes sense. If you travel with a partner, you grow closer. You do definitely deepen your bond with your dog when you travel together. It's a cool experience. If you haven't done it, do it. That's in order. (laughs) What about Ty? I would have loved to have taken Ty. He's within the weight parameters because he's 22 pounds and my understanding is it has to be 25 but he's not small enough to be able to fit in a soft-sided carrier under the seat no not by a long shot and so we thought about taking him but we'd have to put him in cargo Mm. and he is already nervous and i think i would just worry about him too much yeah i know me too And so he stayed at home. Kyle from the doghouse team stayed at our place and looked after Ty together with his dog, Coda. And what do you think that experience was? Like, what have you noticed since we've been home? And and what has that experience done for Ty? Having a little bit of time away from us and some time cohabitating with somebody else and another dog. That was good for him. I think that was good for all of us, truthfully. We've been working really hard with Ty. um, So time away is healthy. Um, But it helped him, I think, feel way more secure in himself that he wasn't so maybe reliant on us. Um, Not that he's a clingy dog. He's actually very aloof. But we do help put parameters around him and boundaries for him to feel safe were his like advocates. Um, So for him to have like a bro or a buddy and Kyle and his dog Coda, um, I think build is built up his confidence. I find he's calmer. And I think that that comes with a sense of security. I mean, I did miss him a lot. I missed him a lot, a lot, a lot. But uh, you're right. I think it was overall a positive experience. And having somebody come to our house versus sending Ty somewhere else, I think allowed Ty to feel more Mm -hmm. safe and secure in his surroundings. He was able to progress in his training, not regress. Ooh, I like that. No shade, but (laughs) I'm saying that maybe in every episode now, no shade, but (laughs) sometimes candles can do that or staying even with a friend at their house or a family member. Because not all the time people are in agreement with your, style of training and your goals should we do an episode on dog boarding i think so yeah i'm thinking so that's a good one 
just to wrap this up, I think for me, you know, you were working really hard. I kind of can work from anywhere. So I would drop you off, come back to the hotel, work for a while. I had some meetings for work, but I also tried to take this opportunity to go and do some stuff on my own and do stuff that kind of scared me and things that were new. So I went for a solo hike in the canyons and kind of did some, not like hardcore rock climbing, but like climbed a couple mountains, got some elevation on my own without a map and just sort of went into the wild. I don't know if that's, <laughs> that sounds, it sounds probably more, yeah, no, more wild than no, it is. No, babe, you're not bear. What's his name? Bear Grylls. Bear, bear Grylls. Like calm down. <laughs> but it was something that I'd never done before. Right. Um, or going to, you know, a few different cities to meet with friends and former colleagues. Again, they had never gone to before. Heck, I even went to a gun range and. Yeah, you did. And learned how to safely operate a firearm, which again, scared me because I'd never done it. and It was foreign. But I think this experience and putting myself in situations that I'd never been in before allowed me to grow and allowed me to get comfortable trying new things and, and, and taught me I'm capable of a lot more than I thought I, I was. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a big, a big takeaway for me from this trip that mm-hmm. I, that I even grew just being in a foreign place. Heck, even traveling on the tail end of this COVID pandemic was a stressor and had included a lot of stuff we had to figure out logistically and mm-hmm. everything else. But I'm really fortunate for it. We both grew in many ways. For me, I think the biggest takeaway, feel like, and I mentioned this already earlier, that I really doubted myself going out there um, and questioned whether or not I could be a leader um, of people. For me, being a leader for dogs is very natural. It feels easy but leading people is something I've always struggled with because I've never considered myself a front of the pack. I've never done, I never have. I'm, and I've, I've been honest and said that many times. I'm a happy-go-lucky, I'm middle of the pack. If anything, if I need to be, I could probably be middle front, like beta, <laughs> next in line. But to be super, super assertive is foreign to me. And setting boundaries and like saying no and think being super direct doesn't come easily. And so I was like, okay, I'm really scared to do this, but I'm going to go out there and see if I can learn how to lead. I'll look to others on how to lead, or maybe they'll give me a handbook. Here's how to lead. And I can come back and be a better boss and a better trainer and a better partner and, and so many things. And there was no handbook. (laughs) And everybody's leadership style is different. And so I went out there and I thought I needed to learn how to lead. But in the end, I already knew how to lead. I am a good leader. I just needed to trust my gut and lead my way. So you can still lead with happy-go-lucky, calm, kind energy. It doesn't have to be super assertive. And it really depends on who's on your team and how you build that trust, love, respect within that team to make it an efficient work experience for all 
and, and, and working together. And so what is perhaps the craziest thing of all is that at the end, after these two workshops, I have been asked to continue to come back and lead the Liz Foley way with calm, kind, and happy-go-lucky energy because Caesar was so happy and impressed with how the whole workshop went and attributed a lot of that success to this team that I was working with. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Go so, Canada. Yeah. That's what Caesar always, always says. Yeah. Canada, Canada in the house. Yeah, go, <laughs> go Canada. Well, congratulations, Liz. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so thrilled and excited for you and, and just watching you on this journey. I've been so proud and hearing the praise and the positive feedback from a lot of these other people who I know you respect and look up to mm -hmm. in the dog training community and hearing how much they respect you and how great of a job you've done makes me incredibly happy and so proud and so happy for you. Thank you. I have a really hard time accepting that praise um, and appreciation, but I value it so much and it means so much because I've worked very hard to get to where I am. And it's just cool to be recognized by your peers, colleagues and mentors. Um, so it just felt like this huge hug after such kind of a hard few years and we're all going through it. I think we all need it. It was such a cathartic trip and therapeutic for that reason. Like it was just good for my soul. It was a confidence builder and booster. And I met new people. I deepened existing relationships. It was just, ah, oh, it was heaven. So I'm really looking forward to going back next month. <laughs> um, and I'll have even more to share then. Love it. And, you know, maybe just one final thought. Caesar says it takes a pack to change the world. Mm. You know, there's the there's the doghouse pack. There's the training Caesar's way pack. But there's also the honest to dog pack. Yeah. And so, you know, I encourage everybody who's listening to share this message with other dog owners, other people who, you know, might need this podcast. And if you see other people who are commenting on stuff on Instagram, feel free to reach out to those people, follow those people too. And let's see if we can strengthen that, that pack that is honest to dog, because that's how we're going to make a bigger impact on the dog community. I love that. That's a brilliant idea. You're a smart guy. Thanks Liz. <laughs> As always, thanks so much for listening, guys. And until next time, stay calm and assertive. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. We release a new podcast weekly. Follow us on Instagram at Honest to Dog Podcast. Honest to Dog Podcast is hosted by Liz Foley and Jeff Gadway. The show is engineered, edited, and produced by me, Timothy Musa. For all things training and daycare, check out doghouse.ca. D-O-G-H-A-U-S dot C-A.